All right, so I want to welcome everyone to the uh, the first of many uh, management series calls. And, and the reason why I put this together, just to give everyone a little bit of background, is I wanted to create an avenue, not just for business owners to be able to um, get some additional management information and and get some additional tools that they can utilize within their business, but one of the one of the things that uh, I don't get to do as often um, when I'm working with someone is is work with the management team um, within the different businesses that I work with, and so I I wanted to create a forum so that um, your management teams and the and the managers who are on here also have access to some of the information that we're talking about and sharing, and just empower you to be the best management uh, team that you can be for, for the businesses that you work for. So that's what we're doing. Uh, the, today's topic is going to be about delegation. That seemed to be a theme that came up again and again here recently, and so I, I got some great topics that people send in uh, to me uh, to cover, but I wanted to start with this one because it just kept coming up. And so I thought this would be a good place to start because delegation is such an important thing in our business, but it's also one of those things that's really scary for people to do as well. So I want to start off with just talking about why delegation is important. And the, the, the overarching theme with regards to delegation and why it's important is that we want to maximize the value that we create in our business. And the best way that we can do that is by creating a situation where we can focus on those activities that you do at the highest level. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to delegate everything that you want to delegate, but it does mean that if there are things that we can delegate, then we should delegate those things. And this allows us then the space to not worry about certain areas and, and aspects that really are better served by having someone else do. It, it's about putting us in a position to really create and do the things that we do absolutely best. And so that means that we can't hold on to low-level activities. We, we can't hold on to different activities that, even though we're good at them, uh, don't necessarily fit our skill set in terms of what we do best. And so this is also important for your teams. When Daniel Pink, uh, one, of the, one of my favorite books that I've read in the last two, three years, uh, was a book called Drive by Daniel Pink. And so as I'm talking through this too, I forgot, uh, hopefully you have a pen and paper in hand. I don't have any kind of an action guide that goes along with this call. So if you guys want to take notes, hopefully you've got a pen and paper in your hand so that you can take some notes. Um, so Daniel Pink wrote the book Drive. He talked about, and Drive was about what motivates people at work. What are the motivators? And he had talked about the top 10 motivators. And number eight as a motivator was money, um, which is really confusing because a lot of times when we try to motivate people, uh, what we do is we throw money at them. Um, if we throw some money at them, we'll do that. But I think all of us have had the experience at some level of throwing money at someone and then having them do just as mediocre of a job as they were doing before, or in some cases, even oddly enough, doing worse as a result of getting more money. And, and so that's very confusing. Well, Daniel Pink had, you know, his top three drivers in, in terms of work were purpose, mastery, 
and autonomy. Now, purpose is about uh, people feeling inspired and engaged in, in what the business is about and what it's up to. And for a lot of you guys on the phone, most of you are healthcare professionals of some kind. Uh, not all of you, but most of you. And so creating purpose in your business, that's really easy. I mean, that, that, that's a no-brainer. I mean, we're talking about creating uh, healthier scenarios for people in their lives. It's easy to create purpose. The other two things, though, autonomy and mastery, that takes a little bit more, uh, that's a little bit trickier. And autonomy, people just want, they want the freedom to do what they do best. They don't want to be micromanaged. Um, so how do we give people autonomy? Well, delegation is a big part of that. The other thing being mastery, people want to feel like they're getting better and that uh, they're improving on a day-to-day -day basis. They're, they're learning new skills. They're doing new things, and, and, and we're putting them in a situation to get better. And so what we want to avoid, we want to create scenarios, as, as we talk about why do we delegate, we want to create scenarios where we give more autonomy and we allow people more mastery. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in this call. But what I want you guys to avoid is, is symptoms of what I call the rugged individualist. So we want to be someone who's a delegator, but a rugged individualist is someone who, who always thinks that they have to do everything and that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. So try this on, okay, and you can kind of see if you're a rugged individualist or not. Here are the symptoms of rugged individualism, and I'm going to call this RI uh, going forward. So uh, number one symptom uh, of RI is you work a high amount of hours and your business is not a startup. Remember, your business was about freedom and calling the shots. So this happens to, a, you know, many people that I talk to, they can't figure out why they're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week in their business. And the only time you should be doing that is if you work in a startup. Um, that's the only time where I can see that that's acceptable. So if you've been in business any number of years and you're putting in that time, that is that is a scenario that you want to avoid. Number two, a number two symptom of rugged individualism kind of goes with the first one, but if your kids refer to you by your first name instead of mom or dad, um, that's, that, that's certainly a problem. An additional side effect of rugged individualism is when your kids sometimes refer to, uh, to their other mommy or daddy. That's a problem. So I don't even want to get into uh, what that's all about. But um, So that's another symptom. Uh, number three, you feel like you are on the verge of burning out even though you are passionate about the work that you do. Okay, burnout is, is, is huge. Number four, you find yourself more in reaction mode than creation mode. So what do I mean by that? Reaction mode is all about putting, in, putting out fires and just taking care of whatever the most urgent thing that's in front of you at that moment. But we want to be more intentional than that, and we want to be creators. We want to make things happen. We just don't want to, we, we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we're, re, where we're reacting to things that are happening uh, that we didn't necessarily want to happen. Um, so we want to put ourselves more in creation mode versus reaction mode. Number five, you forgot what the word hobby means. Number six, you aren't leveraging the value that you create on a large scale. This is a situation where, look, if you're still the cog that makes everything in your business run, while that may that may make you feel important. It's not the most efficient way to run your business or if you're a manager to run your team. Um, and the last one is you feel jaded by the word delegation. So uh, for many people, uh, 
they feel jaded by the word delegation. So what is delegation? Uh, so as we're talking about delegation, delegation, let me tell you what delegation is not. Delegation is not relegation. And when I talk about relega relegation, what I'm talking about is the systematic uh, approach that we use a lot where we just assign meaningless tasks to people. So relegation looks like this. Hey, uh, uh, Jill, will you file this for me? Hey, uh, Michelle, will you send that email? Hey, Bob, I need you to put that file away for me. Or hey, could you take out the garbage? Um, relegation is just systematically going to people, and we think we're delegating, but what we're doing is we're just offloading crappy jobs that we don't want to do to other people. Um, delegation is bigger and more meaningful than that. Delegation is more of a, you know, a project or a responsibility that requires more than just taking action right in that moment. It may take a little bit of thought, a little bit of planning, and a little bit of, a, of an assessment of what resources and different things that we're going to use to get the job done. Now, delegation might look like putting someone in charge of, of your marketing calendar and making sure that the marketing calendar happens every single day, every single week, every single month. Their job is to run that and make sure that that gets done from uh, sending out any kind of mailers that you have to getting events scheduled and booked to, um, to you know, sending out reminders to patients and all those different things. You know, you could put someone in charge of that. That would be an example of delegation. But a lot of times our delegation looks a lot like relegation where we just give people task after task after task, um, and, and, and they're just waiting for the next task. Um, so what, what does your business look like if you delegate, okay? So, uh, and, and what does your management life look like if you delegate? Uh, the first thing I want you guys to think about is, is how valuable your time is. And you should be spending your time doing the highest level activities in support of what you do best. And so this is a great time for you to, to take, take some time when, you, when you've got some time to think and, and you want to step back and really look at this. This is a great opportunity for you to look at what, what do I do best? What are my top five activities? Or what are the top three things? Or whatever number, whatever number of activities that you come up with. And when I'm talking about top-level activities, I'm not even talking about things that you do very well because there's a lot of things that we can do that we do very well. But doing things very well is different from doing things exceptionally. And what, what I want leaders to be doing is I want them to be doing things that they're exceptional at. Does that mean that you won't do some things that you're very good at or even average at? Depending on your situation, you'll kind of have to figure that out. But I, I want you spending time and thinking about what do I do just, that's just absolutely the best uh, that, that no one else really can do, and that's what I want to do. I want to spend time in those activities, and that will allow me a strategy to really delegate and offload those other activities that I don't do at the highest level. So just think about you know, what it looks like. Just think about you working in your sole, you know, your sole purpose as much as you can and, and working in concert with others doing what they do best and being empowered in the process. And we're going to talk about empowerment here in a minute. But that's what your business looks like when you delegate. It means that you're spending time doing – spending – as much time as you possibly can in, in your top-level activities, and other people are spending time in their top-level activities as much as possible, and, and everyone's doing and working in things that they do best. So there's some obstacles to delegation. 
And and this is probably one of the most important parts of, of this call and, and, and what we'll spend a lot of time on, I'm sure, is, number one, people let you down, right? We don't delegate a lot of times because people let us down. We've, we've given people, we've entrusted people with things in the past. They've let us down, and now we just feel like I can't trust anyone to get the job done. And I've used this analogy before, and if you've been to my workshops, you've probably heard this analogy. But for those of you who ha haven't, I, I like to use the analogy of a computer. And everyone who's on this call has had a computer break down. At some point in time, everyone's had a computer crash. There's nothing more frustrating. Um, and, well, I shouldn't say there's nothing more frustrating, but it's probably one of the most frustrating things that happen when all of a sudden your computer screen goes blue. And you're looking at it like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Um, maybe you're worried that you haven't backed things up, or maybe you were in, in the middle of an important project. You're worried about client data. All these things happen. Well, your computer crashes. That's really disappointing, and you know what? Things like that happens. But you know what we don't do when our computer crashes? We don't say, you know what? I'm never using a computer again. In fact, from now on, I'm just going to use a paper and pen to do all my work. That way I know that uh, it's secure. It's never going to crash. Um, I can hold on to it. It's tangible. I don't need to worry about that. We wouldn't do that, right? Because we still know that even though computers crash sometimes, they're still really they're still a great tool for productivity, and they're very valuable in our day-to-day -day work, whether we like computers or not. Uh, and this is the same thing with delegation. When we do it best, we can protect ourselves from being hurt too badly, just like in the computer analogy, we can back up files and make sure that if, if our computer doesn't crash, we're not going to lose all our information. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, we can get that back up and running fairly quickly and, and we're okay. Um, it's the same thing with delegation. We can protect ourselves when we delegate properly to ensure that uh, the delegation isn't disastrous if it goes sideways or things don't go the way we want to. Um, so. That's one of the things. People let us down, right? One of the other things, one of the, probably the second most common thing I hear about why we don't delegate is we don't have time to explain it. Like, I'm so busy, the thought of sitting down with someone and explaining to them how to get this done or what I'm looking for is so excruciating. It's like, it's like gouging my own eyes out, right? Um, I've, I've talked with plenty of of you who, who, have, who have said things similar to that, where it's like, man, if I have to sit down and explain this, by the time I sat down and explained it, um, I could have done it. Um, and sometimes that's the case, and sometimes we have to be smart about that. I mean, look, if you could have gotten it done in the time that it took to sit down and explain it, you probably shouldn't delegate that. Uh, but for other things, um, sometimes we have to sit down and we have to really explain to people what it is that we're doing, and that does take a little bit of time. But I look at this again, this is hard easy versus easy hard. When it comes to delegation, it's hard to explain that, but it's easy when we have someone else who's working on something and we're building empowerment skills and we're giving this person confidence that they can create at a high level for us. That's, that's easy later because now we're creating a better employee. Easy hard is, look, we do it ourselves, but the hard thing is, is how much, how much time do you have? How much time do you have to get everything done? And the more that you take on, 
the smaller that time pie gets. And we know when it comes to resources, look, in your business, you can make more money, you can hire more people, you can get more infrastructure, you can build out more space, but you can't get more time. Time is a finite resource. It is the only finite resource that you face in your world of work. And so now you have to make some decisions. How am I going to spend that time? Okay, so those are some obstacles. So how do I delegate effectively? So I want to go through just some steps to delegating effectively, that if you do this, it creates the proper conditions for delegating. Now, when I go through these, they're not necessarily in order, in a linear order, because a lot of this happens in one conversation with, with people. But the first rule of delegating is delegate good projects. Don't just give people your non-essential crappy tasks. And this, when I go back to relegation, uh, this is the part of delegation that a lot of times we get wrong. We give people just those things that, number one, are just so easy, or number two, that are just so undesirable that that's all we give them. Hey, clean the bathroom, um, you know, do this, do that. And we're just looking at it like, wow, really? Um, this is what I'm getting? Uh, so delegate some good projects. Delegate some things that require thought, that require effort, that challenge people, that get them to step out of their own comfort zone and really step up and be a contributor at a higher level. Those are the types of things that you should delegate. Um, so the second rule is to clearly communicate what you need from the project and get buy-in from the individual that they are capable of getting the job done. So number two, this is a critical step. This is a critical rule. You have to be clear about what it is that you want. And then I want to get buy-in from the individual to make sure that they're capable of getting the job done. Because I don't know how many times I've seen delegation go wrong when we delegate a task to someone and they don't execute. And when we press into them and find out why they didn't do it, it's because they had no confidence that they could get it done from the very start. But here's the thing about employees that you have to realize that work for you is that when you're in a position of authority, whether you're the business owner or the manager, people think about you differently and they're intimidated by that. And when they're intimidated by that, people just aren't willing to come right out and say, hey, I can't do that or I'm not sure I'm the right person for this job because they don't want to sound weak and they don't want to sound like someone who's not willing to do things. So what they'll do to please you is they'll say, yeah, I can do that. Okay, sure. Nod their head. Okay, sounds good. And then in their mind, they're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. Um, I don't think this is going to work. So you've got to clearly communicate that. But part of that communication process is I will go to someone and say, hey, does this sound like something that's in your wheelhouse? Is this something that you feel like you can do at a high level? If the answer is yes, great. We're going to keep going. If the answer is no, I'll find someone else to do it. So the third rule. Give them the outcome that you need, but let the person you are delegating to create the project plan. So I'm going to tell them what needs to be done as a manager or a business owner, but I'm going to let them tell me how they're going to do it. But here again, we delegate with people, and we tell them what we want done. We tell them when we want it done. We tell them how we want it done. And basically, we've given them, we've just given them the whole plan, like here's the plan. And, and where's the problem with that? When we delegate to people and we give them the plan and they don't execute the plan, whose fault is that? The fault is yours because when they, in their mind, 
because they're going to come back to you and say, well, look, it was your crappy plan that you gave me, and that's why I didn't execute it. So I want to give them the what, but I want to give them the freedom. So when we talked about autonomy, I want to give them the freedom to think through this and how are you going to approach this and get the job done. And this has to be out measurable. The outcome that you give them has to be something that you know for certain is done, yes or no. It's got to be a measurable outcome. The, the last part of this is we're giving them the, the what, is we need to set boundaries for the project. So boundaries look like this. Boundaries are, um, and I'm going to talk about time here in a minute as a rule, but if, if, there is a, if there is a set deadline that something has to be done by, um, and it's a hard deadline and there's a reason for your deadline being what it is, you want to set that deadline for people. Um, so that's a boundary. Um, you want to set, you know, if they're budgets, let's say someone's in charge of marketing. Maybe I give them a marketing budget. Hey, you cannot spend more than $500 a month in, in this area of marketing or, or whatever it is. If you're going to spend more and you feel like that's necessary, we need to have a conversation about that. So we want to set boundaries. Here's what, here's what you can do. Here's some things that you absolutely can't do um, in this project as you work on it. The fourth rule, create a communication system to ensure that things are on track. So when you, when you delegate somewhat, something, you know, here's the thing that happens with delegation is we get to a two- or three-week period uh, when, let's say, a project is going to be done in three weeks. Well, we check in with them at the end of the project. And we're like, how did it go? Ah, it didn't go so good. Okay, well, crap. What are we going to do about that now? It's too late. The deadline is there. The project's not done. And now you're not just mildly upset, you're pissed. You're like, I, this is unbelievable. I cannot believe uh, that now we're three weeks out and this project isn't done. This is where I want to create a system to ensure that things are on track. This is, and this is what I do up front. I check in and I say, hey, when are we going to check in? Let's do weekly check-ins, bi-weekly you know, bi check-ins, uh, daily check-ins, whatever it is, whatever is necessary for the project. I want to have time that we're checking in and talking to them uh, about the project. The other thing that I want to do, and this sounds really weird that we would need to do this, but it's essential, is we want to give people permission to come to us if problems arise. So if you run into an obstacle that you're not sure how you can overcome with this project and it's going to affect your ability to complete it, I want you to come to me immediately. This sounds super obvious and stupid, that we would even need to bring this up, but I don't know how many times someone gets to the end of a project that doesn't get done, and they have a real legitimate reason why it didn't get done, and, and we ask them, hey, why didn't you come to me and talk to me? And they just kind of shrug their shit. I don't know. You know, was I scared to? I don't know. I didn't know if I should. Uh, I didn't want to bother you. You seem busy. You know, whatever the excuse is. That kind of stuff happens all the time. So I want to make sure we have check-ins, so then I can even check in and make sure that there aren't any problems. How are things going? What do you need to get this project done for me? What resources do you need? What assets do you need? How are things going? Um, where are we at? You know, give me and ask for When you do these check-ins, you need to get specific, right? Everyone's probably had an experience with this where they check in with someone. They say, hey, how are things going? Good. Okay. Well, good is good, I guess, but what does good mean? I want to know what good means because I've heard plenty of people tell me good and then I realize it's not good. <laughs> it's far from good and now we've got a problem. Um, but in their mind, hey, we're good. Everything's great. Never better. 
Give me the thumbs up, the two thumbs up. Um, I, I want to avoid that. I want to get real specific. Where are we at? What's been done? What do you want to have accomplished by our next check-in? How are things going? What is your plan? Um, talk to me about what you're doing. Rule number five, let them set the deadline when at all possible. So I want to ask people, when do you think this can be done? If it's a project that doesn't have a hard deadline, sometimes there's just something that has to be done by a certain time because we've got an event coming up or something else going on, and it's unavoidable to, to really to do it any other way. So, you know, that's when I'll set a hard deadline. But if I don't need to, I want to let them set the deadline. Why? Again, I want to empower that person to set their own deadline. And now if things get done, if things don't get done, it wasn't my deadline. It was their deadline. So it's not that I gave them an unreasonable deadline. Hey, they may have given themselves an unreasonable deadline. And sometimes this is a situation where if I, if I run into a situation where someone says, someone gives me a deadline and it, it, it seems unreasonable, if I know that they're not going to get it done, I, I may just say, hey, this doesn't sound like a reasonable deadline. You know, let's, you know, let's, let's work, work back on this. And, and, you know, you may want to extend this out a little longer. Um, you know, just, just to ensure that they set themselves up for success. If I feel like, you know what, that's too short of a time frame. I don't think you can get it done in that time. Um, I may talk through them with that to kind of see if, if they want to reconsider that. Um, so, so when at all possible, let them set a deadline. The last part of this is really just, it's essential. When someone nails a project and they get it done and they're awesome about it, make sure you tell them good job. Um, this, again, seems super obvious, but I think it's easy to forget to just pat someone on the back when, when, they, when they go through and they delegate um, and, they, and someone gets it done, to, they, they forget to just tell them, hey, great job, nice work on the project, and, and, and they forget to give them that praise, which is important. People want to feel like the work that they just put into something was meaningful to someone else, and, and that really ties it all together. So, so as, we, as we talk about this, managers and leaders, what's one area that you can do better when it comes to delegating? You know, what is it, what, how can you be a better delegator? Come up with one thing that you can do better that you can implement into your work life starting tomorrow. Um, and, and, and the whole goal of this is we're about, we want to create a team that is empowered and it takes the right kind of action that comes from being creative versus reactionary. And, and the, the reason why this is important is that, historically speaking, people are not good strategic thinkers or planners. They're not traditionally good at thinking strategically and planning things out. And, and we get frustrated with people when they're not good at this, but the ability to strategically plan and think strategically um, is not an inherent skill that the majority of people possess. So this is why sometimes when you see your employees and they're doing something and you're scratching your head and you're like, why in the hell are you doing that right now? I can think of 10 other things that you should be doing besides checking your email, filing that file, uh, you know, hitting up your friends on Facebook or whatever it is, but you're not doing that. But but in the absence of a real clear-cut set of objectives and priorities for someone, 
they'll just default to the things that come easiest to them and, and that require the least amount of, of thought. And a lot of times, because we lack the ability to think strategically, we'll just do whatever's in front of us. We'll just take care of whatever is happening right in our immediate vicinity, and we won't worry about the other stuff down the road. We'll, we'll tackle that bridge when it gets there. But when we delegate, now we start getting people to start planning how they're going to get things done, and now they, start, they need to start thinking more strategically. And when you get your team empowered and they start thinking strategically, now you've got a team that you have to manage less and that is more capable of taking initiative because they get it, because the lights come on and they realize, oh, you know what, what I should be doing is this, and when I do this, this happens. And then, uh, you know, hey, we need to really get this done. Is this on track? Now you've got people who start thinking ahead and think strategically, and they start working as an empowered team, which is what everyone wants. I, I talk with uh, business owners and managers and executives all the time, and they tell me, you know, that's what they want. I just wish my team would do things sometimes without having me, to, you know, stand over them and, and, and ride them all the time to get those things done. But the reality is, is that they probably aren't capable of doing that, not because they're dumb or there's something wrong with them. It's because they just don't have the ability to think that way. But we can help them with that, and that's the good news. So, you know, so think about that. Think about what an empowered team looks like and how can you empower people better through delegation. So um, I want to thank everyone for, for being on the first, uh, the first training. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, if, to, if you want to, if you've got a question um, about delegation, you want to talk about a scenario, um, some different things that way that are coming up for you, um, if you want to unmute your phone, it is star six um, to unmute yourself, and uh, you can fire away with any questions that you have. So um, we'll open that up now. Brandon? Yes, Donna? How do you determine when, say, you over-delegate, or, you, or if you're asking people to do things, and then there's one person who, like, routinely will, you know, volunteer, volunteer to do things. But at what point do you say, okay, well, you know, you're doing too much? You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got someone on your team who's always trying to – they're always jumping up to to do things. Yeah. <laughs> you like that what? type of spirit. But how have they overextended themselves, and how has that looked? How it looks is that sometimes um, other things don't get done is one thing, and then there was also a time that sometimes things don't get done, and then also there was a time that something was delegated, and then they shared later with the office manager, oh, well, I really didn't wanted I really didn't want to do that but that one even though they did volunteer to do it they really felt that they couldn't do it afterwards. Gotcha. Okay. So and it wasn't completed, and it's not completed properly. Okay. Well and this is this is this is one of those teaching and training moments for someone where you can sit down with with that employee and, and just have a frank conversation about hey um Look, you've overextended your yourself with this. 
you said you could get it done. Well, you didn't. Well, talk to me about what happened. Or, and, and so that's one approach that you can take is, is just to really get clear with them that, look, don't, don't tell me you can do it unless you can do it because I'm counting on you to get this done. And if you don't do it, it puts us in a really bad spot, right? So that's, that's the first part. The second part is, is, is you can start getting an idea of what people do best and where they're at their best in, in, in their world of work. And so that's a great opportunity for you to tell someone, if they volunteer for something that you just know is not their strong point, you may just say, hey, I need someone else to do this. Or, hey, let's talk about this later. Maybe I don't want to call them out in front of the whole group and say, hey, you suck at this. But I may want to just pull them aside later and say, hey, I'm not sure that um, – that you're the right person to do this. And this is why sometimes delegation in a group setting like that um, may not be the best mm. the best approach, right? Because then you get someone volunteering it for it that you don't necessarily want them to volunteer for. So this is where, you know, a lot of times if I'm going to delegate, I, I really want to, I want to pick the person that I think is ideal for it because then it makes that person feel even more important. Like, hey, I need this done my impression is, is that you're the best person to do this. I could be wrong. You may feel otherwise. If you do, please feel free to speak up and tell me. It's fine if, if you don't feel like you're the right person. But, you know, do you think you can get this done? Okay. Maybe Does that not make sense? It, yeah, maybe not doing it in the group, in the group setting is probably yeah. better. Yeah, yeah that, way, that way you don't have those moments where you're like, oh, how do I back this person out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have that. They're they're raising their hand, and they're like, "You're like anyone but Michelle want this project, right?" So, so um, you know that that way, you know, we don't have that. Now, there may be certain things where I have activities that I just, you know, we talked about the three by five card exercise, where we have certain activities where we're like, "Okay, who wants to do these?" But those are more activities that aren't as much delegation. They're just, you know, who can take this on as part of their responsibilities that, you know, or just maybe a day-to-day type thing. So, you know, we've talked about doing certain exercises like that in a group setting, which you can do. Um, but um, you can also, um, you, you can also delegate bigger responsibilities to people in a more one-on-one setting. Um, okay. So if you guys have, uh, if you don't have any other questions, I want to, pre- I, I want to thank everyone for being on the call tonight. Uh, for taking the time out to be here. I'll send out a link uh, so you can go back and review the call. If you got any questions, again, don't hesitate to reach out to me um, and uh, ask any questions that you may have offline. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. So everyone have a good night, and uh, I will let you know when the next call will be next month. So uh, take care and uh, enjoy your evening. Thank you.